1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. He had slain the men who Ahab had nominated to be prophets, but they weren't Levites, and they were actually prophesying on behalf of the pagan gods. They were practicing paganism. Jezebel, she's a full-blown pagan. That's her religion. When Ahab tattled on Elijah, he knew that Jezebel would be really mad. It seems like Jezebel is more in control in this relationship because Ahab is actually tattling to her. 2. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. She's saying, May the gods kill me if I don't kill you by tomorrow. 3. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. Elijah fled to Beersheba to get away from Jezebel, but then he left his servant there. This could be because he feels that when they kill him, they might kill his servant too, so his servant is actually safer getting separated from him. 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. He went out into the middle of nowhere where he didn't think anybody could find him. And he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life away, for I am not better than my father's. Elijah is giving up. Elijah believes that Jezebel is going to kill him sooner or later, and he doesn't want to die a violent death. He'd rather die a peaceful death. And so he's asking God to kill him in advance. But he does believe that he has to die one way or another because he knows that he and Jezebel cannot live on the same planet. He wants God to take him in his sleep or something. 5. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. Fasting is a way of life for any prophet because fasting makes you more dependent on the Lord for your survival, which helps your faith to grow stronger. So it's a way of helping your faith to increase because when you're trusting him to keep you alive without food and water, then you're really trusting him a lot. It's like a faith exercise. And that's why the Bible tells us to fast. Jesus fasted a lot. And he even told his disciples one time that some demons are really hard to cast out unless you've been fasting because you need a lot of faith to cast them out. It's normal for Elijah to fast, but also because he's in danger of his life and he's been on the run, he hasn't eaten at all. And he really has lost his will to live. So that's another reason why he's not eating. And the angel commands him to eat. 6. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on the hot stones, and a cruise of water. He's in the desert, and these stones are so hot that you can cook an egg on them. Well, the angel cooked a cake on him. This would be like a pancake and a water bottle. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. This is the second time that Elijah has been fed supernaturally. And it's also the second time that Elijah was running for his life. He's always in hot water because he tells people to repent, and that makes people absolutely hate him. Same thing happens in the New Testament with the Apostle Paul, Jesus, the Apostle Stephen, and several others. Their lives are in danger simply because they tell people to stop sinning. People will really hate you when you warn them to stop sinning. And that's why being a prophet is not a fun job. 
And this is another clue why we know that most prophets today are fake, because they don't tell people to repent. Their lives aren't in danger. They want to give people feel-good messages, so they're not genuine. 7. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. The food he had eaten the first time wasn't enough to keep him on the journey. So now the angel brings more food and commands him again to eat after he's rested a bit. 3. And he arose and did eat and drink, and went in the strength of that meal forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. After eating the second meal, he traveled all the way to Mount Horeb. This is Mount Sinai. This is the mountain in the Sinai Peninsula, south of Israel. And he walked all the way down to the southern tip of the Sinai Peninsula. He's really trying hard to get away from Jezebel. And he's gone to a place with a lot of history. Whatever that angel fed him was probably food from heaven. It gave him strength to last another 40 days without food. Mount Horeb is the same mountain where Moses gave the commandments to the Israelites. It's the same mountain where Moses himself fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. It's also known as Mount Sinai. Horeb means fire, and Sinai means thorn. And this is the same mountain where Moses also met God for the first time in the burning bush. Now that was a burning thorn bush. And again, the mountains it has two names. One means fire and the other one means thorn. When Moses met God, he met him in a burning thorn bush. Now Jesus, who John the Baptist said would baptize us in fire, that's the fire of God that purifies our souls and makes us not want to sin anymore. When we face adversity and temptation, then when we come through those, then we resist temptation. Then we come out purified. We're more holy. We're more righteous. We're more like Jesus. Jesus, whom John the Baptist said would purify us with fire or baptize us with fire, he was crucified on a cross while he wore a crown of thorns on his head. So thorns and fire are representative of Jesus Christ, which means the burning bush is representative of Jesus Christ, which means the mountain, Horeb, also called Sinai, represents Jesus Christ. And this is where Elijah has gone. 9. And he came thither into a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What dost thou hear, Elijah? In the New Testament, the word of God is called Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And here in this verse it says, The word of the Lord came to Elijah. That means Jesus was speaking to him. Has Jesus ever asked you, What are you doing here? Has he ever asked you what you're doing with your life? 10. And he, Elijah, said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with a sword. I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Elijah did kill hundreds of pagan prophets, but before that, Ahab and Jezebel had been killing the Israelite prophets, who were the prophets of the true God. And then a hundred of them are living and hiding, afraid for their lives. And Elijah is running for his life. So he tells the Lord that he feels like he's all alone, and he just doesn't want to fight this battle alone. He'd rather die. 11. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. The Lord told Elijah 
to wait for him on the mountain on Horeb, and a huge wind came, and it even broke rocks, but the Lord was not in that wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. The Lord's power can send destruction, but he himself is not destruction. He loves us as a father tenderly loves his children. It's tender, compassionate, and kind. It's not coming in great force. 12. And after the earthquake, a fire came, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Does God talk to you in a still, small voice that you can hear in your heart and in your mind? 13. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle, meaning his cloak, and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. He's probably wrapping his face because there might be a bright light because God is there, and the light is too bright for Elijah to look at. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What dost thou hear, Elijah? Again, the Lord is asking him, What are you doing here? 14. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with a sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Elijah repeats exactly the same speech that he had told the Lord before. There's a lot of twos in this chapter. The angel woke him up twice. He had to eat twice. The Lord asked him what he was doing here twice, meaning what are you doing with your life? Why are you running away? He told the Lord twice the facts that Israel had rebelled against the Lord and, and killed his prophets, and he felt so alone all by himself. 15. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return unto thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, thou shalt anoint Hazael to be king over Aram. I'm not sure why there's twos in this chapter, to be honest. 16. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. God is telling Elijah that things are going to change. This is actually a message of encouragement. He's saying it's not going to stay this way forever with Ahab and Jezebel chasing you around and you being all alone. I'm going to change things for you. God is going to stir things up for Ahab and Jezebel. He's raising up a king in the land of Aram, which is a pagan land, so they're enemies of the Israelites. But he's raising up a king who will distract Ahab and Jezebel so that they're not so focused on Elijah. He's going to give them a real enemy to fight, to take the pressure off of Elijah. In addition, he's telling Elijah to anoint Jehu as the new king of Israel, which means that ultimately Ahab is going to lose his position as king and he won't have power anymore. When you get anointed as king, as we've learned from the story of King David, that doesn't mean that you're instantly on the throne, but it does mean that you're promised that you will have the throne. When Elijah anoints Jehu, it doesn't mean that the very next day he won't have to deal with Ahab, but it does mean that Ahab's kingdom is going to end. The third thing that God tells Elijah is that he is going to anoint Elisha to be his right-hand man and take his place when his ministry is over. Elisha to Elijah is the same thing as Joshua to Moses, because Joshua was trained to take Moses' place, and he was Moses' right-hand man while Moses was still alive. 
17 And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. We've seen multiple times in the Bible that the prophets killed people. They always killed sinners and pagans who wouldn't repent. We saw that Moses killed pagan sinners, Samuel killed pagan sinners, Elijah has killed pagan sinners, and now God is prophesying that in the future Elisha will kill pagan sinners. In the book of Revelation, the two prophets that will come in the end times that aren't here yet, but they will come, they also will kill lots of people because they're going to stop the rain, which means people are going to die of drought and famine. They're also going to send down fire from heaven, and that will kill people too. And the Bible even says that anyone who tries to kill them, fire will come out of their mouths and kill the people who try to kill them until God has an appointed time that they do die. Prophets kill. I know that doesn't go with modern theology, but modern theology is really messed up. It's so anti-scriptural. 18. Yet will I leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. The Lord is saying that a lot of havoc is going to be wreaked in Israel because I'm going to use Hazael to attack Ahab and Israel, and I'm going to use Jehu to attack Ahab. And then Elisha is also going to kill people who practice witchcraft and paganism. But I'm going to save 7,000 who've been loyal to me and who have never turned away from me. They've been honoring me this whole time. And God knows who those people are. Elijah doesn't need to know who they are. Now, seven, of course, is the perfect number of completion. It's one of God's numbers. I don't think it's a coincidence that there's 7,000 people in Israel who have never worshipped demon gods. 19. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shephat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed over unto him and cast his mantle upon him. After Elijah spoke with the Lord on Mount Horeb, he left the mountain and went his way. He was encouraged to continue on with life. So he went back to the grindstone, and his first thing was to go find his new right-hand man, who is Elisha. So he went and found him plowing in his field, and he threw his cloak over Elisha. By him throwing his coat over the top of Elisha, he was showing Elisha, you're going to take my place when I die. And Elisha immediately knew what it meant. Now today, people make a lot out of this and they talk about mantles from heaven. But we don't have a theology about mantles from heaven in the Bible. 20. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back, for what have I done to thee? 21. And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and slew them. Elisha knows that he has to follow Elijah, but he's asking if he can say goodbye to his family first. And it's interesting that Elijah actually lets him do it by saying, what do you want from me? He's pretending that nothing's happening. But in the New Testament, when Jesus told people to follow him and they said, let me take care of family matters first, then he would tell him, you're not fit to follow me. If you can't come with me now, then you don't need to come with me at all. And he wasn't being rude. He was just saying, you have one foot in the world and one foot out. However, Elijah is not Jesus. He isn't God. He's another human being. So he doesn't require that Elisha comes with him immediately, but he knows Elisha is going to catch up. 
21, And he returned from following him, and took the yoke of oxen, and slew them, and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave them unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah, and ministered unto him. Ministering means taking care of, or waiting on. Is somebody who takes care of your every need. So it's kind of like a right-hand man. Elisha stopped working in his field, and he butchered the oxen that he had and fed it to his neighbors because he wouldn't need that oxen anymore. He was going to leave his occupation and become a prophet. And that concludes 1 Kings chapter 19.